you got to know who you're talking to, find where they are online, and you got to get that message to them any way that you can, whether it's shorts or long form content, long form videos, whatever it is, however they consume content, meet them where they are with the message that they need to grow. Hello there and welcome back to the My Future Business Show. My name's Rick Nusky. I'm your host. So glad that you have joined us today. If you're first time here, welcome to the show. I know you're in for a treat because I'm on the line today with Mr. Chase Nearly. Welcome to the show, Chase. Thanks, Rick. Thanks so much for having me. Now, you are the president of Leverage Brands, and we are going to be talking about the challenges we all face as business owners and the digital marketing and operational strategies that will help you get from where you are now to where you want to be in your business. But before we do any of that, Chase, it's customary for us to spend a few moments of time just to, uh, for the sake of context, get a little bit of an understanding about your background. So first of all, where are you calling in from today? I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm on Music Row, which is the place where all the labels and publishing companies, where all the songs are written. Oh, so it's a very wow. exciting and creative place. Yeah. Do you, do you enjoy music? There. I do. Okay. Yeah. What, do you enjoy the local music or what's your type of music? You know, I love to say that as an entertainment attorney, which is kind of my trade and training yes. prior to leverage brands, uh, I I always am the biggest fan of my clients' music. And so if you look at my iTunes, it's all of my clients' <laughs> music, and I, I make my family listen to it, too. <laughs> so is that where you've lived all your life? I moved here in 2005 for university, and right. then after law school, moved right back, and my wife and I have been here ever since. So it feels like the second home. I'm actually from South Carolina, which is the southeast side of the United States. Fantastic. So what do you love about the place where you're at now? What's, what's keeping you there? It's the energy. Uh, there's so many creative people here doing so many amazing things, and it's it's just a pleasure to be a part of it, really, and to see how people are reaching and changing people's lives through the products they make, through the uh, messages they share, through the songs they write. It's it's a really creative place. Fantastic. Now, tell me, what's the nightlife like? Do you like to go out to a restaurant? Do you see movies? What's your thing? Oh, I'm actually going to see a movie tonight. Uh, but generally speaking, in Nashville, you have lower broad which is where all the tourists go to do the honky tonks and all yes. of those types of things yep uh, but the locals hang out in the restaurants so we like to go and, and just eat really good food and try out the new local uh fare isn't it interesting everywhere i've always been you you, you know that you're the tourist because you know, and you can always spot the locals because they're they're just not in the same places as as you are <laughs> isn't that true that's right 100 <laughs> percent. that's fabulous now tell me a little bit about what life was uh, like growing up for you um you know you would you told me earlier that you were uh, i guess from an, uh, another place tell me a little bit about that yeah i'm from south carolina which is um about as southern as you can get in the United States. And so I grew up uh, the youngest of six children. Uh -huh. um, so the question we always get are, is, are you Catholic or Mormon? Because that's what everybody assumes. <laughs> but no, just a big family. Just a big family. Uh, but, <laughs> that's right. Uh, but my father ran a, he was the third generation of a lumber wholesaling company that supplied business, uh, business builders. I'm, I'm sorry, that supplied builders yep. with what they needed for their business. Ah. Uh, and just early on, I caught that itch of running a business. Uh, and so even in that time, I sat in his break room and I would sell lemonade to all the contractors who were coming in from the day. And we were able to uh, do pretty good business, run a lemonade stand out of a out of a lumber yard. I bet you were, I bet you were. Now listen, are you, are you into sports at all? What's the local sport there? Oh yeah, so we have football 
and basketball yep. with the Carolina Panthers and the Charlotte Hornets. Of course. And then baseball with the Atlanta Braves. Um, we had a Aussie on our team for a long time. Peter Moylan was over for the Braves, and now he's one of their announcers. So we love uh, we love the Braves and, and watching them every night. I don't know if it's only just been my experience, Chase, but when I was growing up in a relatively large family, we always had pets around. Did you have any pets in your family growing up? What did we not have? <laughs> and, and you might get this too, because everybody wanted something different. Uh, it seems like my grandfather wanted us to have it all. So um, we grew up on some land and we had goats and rabbits and ducks and yeah, dogs yeah. and everything in between <laughs> oh, i love it i remember actually i had a ferret of all things can you believe that oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> now speaking of, of pets and animals if you could be any type of animal what would you be do you think oh that's a great question there's so many amazing animals uh i i have a three-year-old and a five-year-old so right now these are the types of questions that we love uh, to, <laughs> to talk through and i think for me um, being something that gets to sleep all day sounds pretty appealing um, with the three and the five-year-old chasing me. So maybe like a lion sitting on that rock, you know, <laughs> in the zoo, just uh, lounging around. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, look, I tell you what, having a young family myself, I, I'm with you. Let's go do that for a, for a little <laughs> while. Now, speaking of kids, what was the one childhood memory that you have that you can share with us that you really loved? Do you have any? Well, yeah, I always think of kind of how I got to where I am. Yeah. Uh, and so I... I always grew up, I was on the stage all the time. I loved singing. I loved being in front of people. Uh, and I just remember in that big family, and Rick, you can probably relate to this, every sibling takes their role. And I remember being at dinners with my aunts and uncles and my grandparents. And, and the role that I played was always the one who stood up and talked. And so even in this setting, <laughs> you hear people all the time say their biggest fear is public speaking. I've been speaking in front of big groups since I can remember because my family was so large. That was just dinner it's just, on a Saturday night, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, that's great feedback. Now, I tell you, as a, as a parent, I often ponder what I want to leave behind. What's, my, what's going to be my legacy for my children and what do I want to, to teach them? What's the one thing that you really hope that you can leave with them? I thought about this a lot uh, recently too, Rick, because my father passed away about a year and a half ago. Mm. Um, and I think about all the amazing gifts he left me. Yeah. And so I, I started thinking about that with my own children. What what would I love to leave them? And I think one of the things that I would love to leave them is my time. I would love for them to remember that I was around and that yeah. I was available to talk to them. That's one of the reasons we build businesses, right, is for the flexibility and freedom it brings. Um, and we can probably talk a little bit later about how sometimes that calculus changes. But yes, uh, generally yes. speaking... We build it for freedom, right? And yep. so that's one of the things that my dad gave me that I want to give my children as well. And then secondly, um, I want to give them a legacy of kindness and integrity. I want them to know that they do what they say they're going to do, and they're kind to the people that they interact with. Because I think in business that gets you really far, in life that gets you really far. And it's just it just makes your life better if you're kind and you do what you say you're going to do. Simple, powerful, and humble. I absolutely love it. Thank you so very much. Now, you talked about your parents. You've already talked about your first entrepreneurial suit with a lemonade stand. Absolutely love it. Now, um, speaking of that, um, who was it around you that you looked to in those formative years as somewhat of a mentor that gave you great advice? I was lucky to be surrounded by so many. Um, and I think the way that I have always viewed those types of relationships, Rick, is seasonal. 
So I can look back at different seasons of my life and say, here is one person that I knew that gave me something very unique in that season that I took away. Um, and so when I was in, when I was in middle school, um, I told you I like to perform. I'm not going to apologize for this. I was in the yeah. bell choir. You know, you play in those bells. Yeah, and you, yeah, you yeah. knock them and you play them on your chest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's this man. His name was Ronald Wells. And he was one of the most creative people that I have ever met. Mm-hmm. He made his career making music and teaching music in a lot of different ways. And yeah. I always just really drew creativity from him. And I, I remember vividly just being around him and the encouragement and the inspiration that he brought. I remember vividly going through uh, him going through sickness and the joy that he brought even through that sickness and, and just learning a ton, a ton from him. Uh, and I haven't thought about him in a minute, Rick, so thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, look, that's, that's, a, that's a very cherished memory. Look, there's lots to be taken from the show because we not only focus on the nuts and bolts of business, which we know generally don't change too much, but the stories are always very unique. So thanks again for sharing. Now, looking at your background, Chase, I always think about books. I always think about the best way to learn. Tell me, do you like a, a good book? Always. Yeah, always. I, I have uh, a list of about... 12 or 15 or 24 or 30 books that I'm going through at any one time. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you're the same way. Yes, I am. Um, and then I, I just love the listening to the audiobook. I love reading the book. Um, and then I love passing it on. I bet you're the exact same too. Oh, like absolutely. You, do you, you so find do one you, and you can't stop talking about it. So do you uh, prefer a hardback book over an audio book? I think it depends on um, how much studying time I have for the mm. book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I can sit down at my desk and actually get into a book, I want the hardback, or I want I want it to be a physical version. Now there's something. Uh, but if, s- sorry, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, there was something else that was very telling behind you, and uh, you don't often see it. Is the uh, cup full of pencils? Tell me. I have a very specific question about this. Is there still power in the pen over a keyboard? Do you think? Oh, a hundred percent. My team makes fun of me all the time because they say, where are you keeping that on our Google Drive? I say, no, I wrote it down. It's, it's, it's beside my computer because it reminds you. It's persistent reminder of what needs to get done and, and what's important, right? Yeah. And so you can write it down and there's a whole lot of power too. I'm sure you've looked in the psychology of this, of actually seeing something, reading it, processing it, and writing it. Yep. Uh, there's yep. there's so much power in engaging all those different aspects of your brain and learning. So yeah, I love the power of the pen. I find it to in one simple word is it's literally magic. You're creating something literally from a thought and transferring it into a physical manifestation on a piece of paper. It's incredible. Now tell me, um, I don't like getting up early in the morning necessarily, but I do when I have to. What about you? Are you a, a daily person? Are you an afternoon person? Should I say? Morning this is something that has it's changed completely with children. I used <laughs> to love to sleep till nine, wake up right at the alarm clock and get going on the day. Yep. Um, and now my firstborn, he wakes up at 5.30 almost every day. Oh, goodness. Um, and he, <laughs> he comes into my room. I, I don't know, Rick, if you're this type of person, but I want to sleep until my alarm, right? <laughs> yes, I want to sleep until my alarm. I haven't slept into my alarm in six years uh, since he's been alive because <laughs> he wakes me up about two minutes before every day. 
Uh, he says, it's time. It's time. <laughs> oh, it's not time it's yet. It's not time. <laughs> i tell you what, though. I'm pretty sure and certain you wouldn't change a, a second of the time that you get with your children. Tell me, what's the one thing that lights you up today? I think I know the answer, but what's the one thing that really motivates you? Uh, it, it's them, right? It's my yep. family. Them yep. and my wife. And I am working to provide them the best life, uh, better than they can imagine. Um, and beyond that, it's it's a call. I don't. I I know that a lot of us start businesses because of a passion, but I think a passion on its own is fleeting. It's a call. Like you have to have that persistent why that's driving you. Mm-hmm. And for me, I feel called to amplify the messages of of message bearers. And so that's what we do at Leverage. We ampl- amplify these messages so the creative can be freed up to create, and mm-hmm. we can take on the business side and push that forward, push that ball forward alongside them. Uh, and and that's been such a rewarding thing because that's what I'm called to do. Um, yes. And the family is a big part of that. The face a big part of that. But it's 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 that deep calling. To I obedience. know. I know um, how difficult it can be with young children to be able to look after yourself, give yourself some time, uh, you know, and find that time to maybe you know eat properly, exercise. Do you still give yourself time to do those things? And how important is that to you? Yeah, it's, it's so important to take care of yourself. I'm not always the best at it, mm. but I remember last year um, I, I had had a chronic foot problem, and so I finally took the step to get the surgery, get it fixed so that yep. I could play with my kids, right? Um, and so taking that time was really difficult. It's hard for me especially. I, I like to be the one making the breakfast or making the lunch for the kids, uh, and for me it was hard to sit back and let somebody else do that or let somebody serve me. Mm. Um, I, I want to be the one out there and making sure that, that you have everything that you need. Uh, and so I think that that's led to a lot of different things, but taking care of yourself is something that you can't overstate the importance of, because if you're not your best self, how can you be your best self for other people? Yeah, that's great feedback. Thank you so very much. Now we're just about to pivot and talk about, uh, the history behind leverage brands. But before we do that, I just would love to, um, ask you. Uh, how was it that um, you made that decision? And when I think about risk and risk management and risk aversion, what did it feel like when you made this decision, hey, look, we're going to get involved with, with this thing called leverage brands? How did it make you feel? It's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Glad you're honest. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it's terrifying. It's um, exciting. Yep. It's, it's overwhelming if you really sit and think about it for too long. But for me, again, it came back to calling. If I look back on my life, and I've asked this question to myself since I was 18 years old, I don't want to look back and have a what if. What if I did X? What if I did Y? I want to look back and say, well, given the options I had at the time, that is the decision that I would make because that's the decision that I wanted to know the outcome of. And with leverage, it's the same thing. I wanted to know what would happen if I gave it a go. And... I have been incredibly blessed. Um, we've been incredibly blessed to be in business for five years and um, continue to move forward and continue to make great content and work alongside some really excellent thought leaders. And the risk has been worth the reward. Yep. Um, yep. And and it's, it's to say it's not terrifying is disingenuous. It's terrifying. Yeah. And you can't help it. No, you can't help it. You can't avoid it, can you? Look, there's lots of startups who are listening into the My Future Business show on a regular basis, and they just eat up this sort of content because they realize that, hey, look, 
they're no different than I am and I can do this and it's just about a matter of mindset isn't it so speaking about mindset Chase if you have a down day and you just want to pull the covers over your head how do you get past that how do you get motivated man that that's a introspective question for me and I'm not always the best at looking in because I have been blessed with an inordinate amount of willpower of yep. just saying nope you're doing it get up you're doing it <laughs> yep um but one thing I think about is just how grateful I am for what I get to do. Uh, I look at my life, and I even think back to that 18-year-old Chase. I often think of Chases that are 18 years old or, you know, 7-year-old Chase, or maybe I'll think in the future to 55-year-old Chase or 75-year-old Chase. Yep. And I like to think about, am I doing a, a service for future Chase or past Chase, or am I just making decisions for now Chase? Um, Stand in the bed's a decision for now Chase. And so I look back to see how the past me would have thought about the life that I get to live, the things that I get to do, the place where I get to live even. And I say how grateful I am. And then it encourages me to get up and do the work. Um, Without a we doubt. work with an author. He, he talks often about how writer's block is one of the greatest myths in writing. Mm -hmm. Writers don't experience writer's block. Writing is your job. So you don't need to overcome it. You sit down in the chair and you write. In the same way, business owners, this is what we do. We've chosen this life. We can alter things about it to make it more comfortable for us. But ultimately, you got to get up, sit in the chair, and work. Work on the business so that you can achieve the purpose that you've been um, that you've been passionate about and that you've been called to. That's sage advice, isn't it, right there? Everybody's listening to this show. I hope you're really enjoying it. We're just about to sh uh, shift gears. And just for context again, Chase, I was wondering if you could tell us about your educational and professional background. I know you touched on it at the start of the call. Yeah, sure. So I wouldn't call it a typical path to entrepreneurship. Uh, let's say that <laughs> to be kind. But I went to Belmont University here in Nashville for my bachelor of music degree. Um, I, I did classical voice, if you can believe it. Mm -hmm. And I took that degree and jumped directly into law school like one does. Uh, and, and I began <laughs> going into, going into law. And you're a comedian. Yeah. Like I, I said, I've it. been performing for a long time, Rick. I've been in front of groups for a long time. Um, but just out of law school, I knew that it wasn't going to be a typical lawyer's career for me because I wanted to do entertainment law. And what that means is I live in my legal career at the intersection of corporate law and intellectual property law. Uh, so copyrights, yep. business formations, all that kind of stuff. And for me, I knew that that was going to take a, a different path. Um, and so I actually worked on Music Row for a while. I passed the bar exam. And from day one, I went to work at an author management company that brought me in as a social media expert, if you can believe that, yeah, off of my law degree. Yeah, my, <laughs> my wife was super excited about me coming home and saying, well, listen, I didn't get a legal job, but I did get a social media job. Uh, <laughs> why did you go to law school again? But I told that company, I said, listen, I can do your legal work as well. And so mm. within six months, I had replaced the outside legal counsel that that company had and eventually became the general counsel and chief marketing officer of that company alongside the COO. When that company dissolved in 2017, the COO and I started Leverage Brands. And from day one, um, we had a client who was previously with the other company. And we've just taken off running since then and trying to continue to just fulfill that mission of amplifying these messages of message bearers. 
You know, I love it because you've got some case studies on there. I read one with Jerry Jenkins. Tell us a little bit about some case studies like that. Yeah, Jerry is a great example of what can happen when you devote yourself to a singular mission over time. So um, I don't know if you were around that digital marketing space listener back in the 2015s, but there was a guy named Michael Hyatt who was really big at that time. Oh, yeah. He was the leadership expert. He's still on the scene, isn't he? I mean, he is, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. he slowed down because of health a little bit, but yeah, yeah. He, he's still 100% on the scene. Mm. Um, and he's put out some amazing content. Jerry knows. came to us, and he said, I want to be the Michael Hyatt of writing. Ah. We said, wow, that's a big vision. That's <laughs> said, a big I vision. Know, but I think I can do it. <laughs> um, and so we were sitting around his coffee table, in, uh, not his coffee, his dining room table in Colorado Springs. And I just remember him saying, again, back to calling I feel like I have 15 years left, and this is what I'm supposed to do to fulfill my calling to help as many young writers as possible. You can't argue with that, Rick. No. When somebody comes to you and says that, you can't argue with it. No. And so we sat down with him, and we came up with a plan. And at Leverage, we, we took over the marketing operations for his online presence. And so we do um, all of his social media. We do his email marketing. We build the automated funnels. Um, we write the sales pages, we do the products, and over time, it's gone from a $0 business per year, and now it's a, a seven-figure business per year, um, selling writing materials to the people who want to learn how to be an author. And it's been an incredibly, incredible, <laughs> an incredibly incredible. That's yeah, yeah. We're done. <laughs> he Empowering. would probably strike that from the transcript. Yeah. No, not at all. Uh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was an incredible moment to see how being obedient to the call can produce amazing results. And it hasn't yeah. always been easy. You know, I, I talk about how growth isn't linear. I'm not the only one who talks about it. But yeah. it's not going to be the hockey stick forever. There's going to be ups and downs, peaks and valleys. But you got to get through the valley to get to the next peak. And Jerry has been incredibly gracious as we've learned and grown alongside of him uh, and, and continue to grow this business with him. So tell me, is, is, that, is your ideal client, customer, call it what you will, um, creatives and creative startups? Who is your ideal customer, do you think? Yeah, so we are looking to help those who have either a, an innovative company mm -hmm. or a message that, they're, that they want to share with as many people as possible. And through those two uh, enterprises, we're able to clarify that brand message, build a plan, um, and either consult you along the way or help you implement and, and we have the team set up for both of those things. But um, we can talk about this a little later, Rick, as yeah. well. But I, I've actually set up some time, leveragebrands.co slash pod. If you go there, I've set up some time for your listeners to grab some of my time just so that we can start even on that journey if they're, if they're interested um, with, with some free time of mine. Very kind. Thank you very much. Now tell me where the name Leverage Brands come from. Love it. We, we have been Leverage Creative Group up until – about three months ago. So this is oh, a new name a new that we're thing. fitting into. <laughs> yeah, but we thought Creative Group was broad. Um, and, you know, when you start a company and, and you're kind of behind the eight ball, we got to get a name out there. We got to get a URL. We got to find something that fits us. Yep. Creative Group felt right for a little while. But then as we started to look into what we really do, we leverage brands. So we encourage our brands to have one sentence of what they do. Jerry Jenkins helps writers write their book. That's yes. one sentence. It's clear yep. as mud. That's what he does. Yep. For us, we leverage brands. Yep. So if you have a brand that you're looking to penetrate your niche even deeper, we help you leverage that brand. And so we wanted to have our one sentence even down to two words in our brand name. Uh, and that's why we switched to leverage brands. 
in, in the past it's, little bit. It's, it is very self-explanatory, that's for sure, on certain shows. Now, tell me, going back to the top of the call where we talked about this, what are the top three challenges that are faced by startups today? Let's talk about that. I think when I think about the top three challenges, I'm going to talk about myself because mm -hmm. I, I've started three businesses um, that's not true. I've started four. I'm only going to talk about the three that I want to talk about, Rick. We don't need to talk about the fourth one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but the things that I have found distract me the most are, are, number one, the shiny object syndrome. I don't know if you have run across this as All an entrepreneur time. yourself, but you have a great idea on Monday, and then on Tuesday you have another great idea, and they're both the same, and <laughs> I want to go through both of them at the same time. You can't do that. No. And so I think a lot of entrepreneurs run into this shiny object syndrome where you are, you're so generative of your ideas. You have so much vision mm -hmm. that when you go towards each one each and every day, um, you get stuck. You don't get anywhere because you don't give any singular idea the time that it needs to grow, germinate, and, and bloom, really. Yeah. Um, so that's challenge number one. Challenge number two that I think every startup faces is this idea of perfection. If only I can get that product a little better. If only I can improve it from 95% to 97%. Uh, I think of Steve Jobs even with, with the inside the computer circuit board. If I'd been advising Steve Jobs at that time, I would have told him, hey, forget about that, Steve. you got to ship something. Get it out the door. You can't yep. have a business if nobody's buying your product. Yep. And so, I, you know, I, at that point, he had had some success, whatever. Okay, maybe I'm not the advisor to Steve Jobs. But I think a lot of us get so tied up in perfectionism that we never get something out the door that needs to get out the door. And so I, I would say, number one, it's that shiny object syndrome. Number two, it's this perfectionism that we talk about. Mm -hmm. And then number three, the third one is simply just analysis paralysis. I know we have kind of gone through this rebrand and we've had a pivot where we're you know opening our marketing services up beyond our partners. And for me, it's almost as if there are so many opportunities to help people. There's so many opportunities to consult or do whatever else that you just get stuck. What do I choose? Yes. And eventually, you got to choose something. And yep. that's what it comes down to. Um, I worked with, and I still do, I work with Andy Andrews, who's a New York Times bestselling author located in Orange Beach, Alabama. Mm -hmm. And he has some great advice in his book. He says, it's the, the traveler's gift. He says, make a decision and make it right. So as a founder, when you're when you're confronted with a smorgasbord of ideas, you make a decision and then you make it right. Uh, you, you just got to move. Um, and so a lot of these have a similar theme. It's do something, right? Yeah. Do it, anything. It, it reminds me of uh, something I heard is make a decision quickly. Be, uh, make a quick decision, but be slow to change it. You know, That's you right. stick to that one path for a little bit. Now, you touched on branding moments ago, and I wonder, you know, if you could talk to us about that. What is branding exactly, and how does a startup go about building their own unique brand, and how important would that be? You remember, Rick, I talked about my kids. A lot of this stuff kind of uh, seeps together because you're one person, right? Yep. And when I think about personal branding, especially, you're one person. You are the authentic you. And so brand, to me, means that people, when they buy from you, they know what they're going to get and they like it. It's yep. a positive experience. That's all it comes down to. Whether you're a personal brand, a thought leader, people know that they can trust you to do what you say you're going to do in your marketing material. And so they'll buy from you again and again and again, become a brand advocate because they know that you can be counted on. That's the integrity piece. Yep. And then the second piece is being kind. 
So mm -hmm. for me, if I'm talking to one of your listeners, for instance, if they book some time and I say, you have a great idea for a business. We are not the right fit for you. You should not talk to us about this anymore. Here's five other people that you should talk to. That kindness of setting them up with the right person, that creates brand loyalty as well. Yep. But you're creating this brand that's known for doing what you say you're going to do and that's known for being kind to people. And that's the kind of brand that's attractive and, and will become a viral brand simply because you're doing the right things over and over and over again. And it's those things over time. Yes. So kindness, integrity over time equals trust. And that's what your brand is based on. It's based on the trust. Thank you very much for the feedback. May I ask, um, I, I see companies, there's one particular gentleman that has gone from a business name, which was his branding, and he's very, very well known. And it, it actually shocked me. He went from a, a known brand, which was not his own name, to marketing his entire business under his own name. And he is, his business has exponentially grown. Is that what you're seeing? Is that, is that the power of going personal branding? Well, yeah, he literally put his name on it, right? Mm, yeah, literally. And so when we work with personal brands, the vision conflict's never about how to interact with customers. Everybody wants to be kind to their customers. Yep. The vision conflict is, well, it's not your name on the product. And so this isn't quite right yet. This isn't exactly what my customers need, or this marketing funnel isn't exactly right. But by putting his name on it, he's got to be so proud of everything that he produces that he's willing to have that under his name. And I think it's, it's so powerful, uh, especially now because you're so accessible. And if you think about personal brands, they're more accessible than they ever have been, which makes authenticity of the personal brand more important than it ever has been. Yep. So for him, you can put your name on it. It's not going to be a magic bullet. If, the, if you're not doing what you say you're going to do and if you're not kind to customers, nobody's going to care that your name's on it. But if you put your brand name on it, your personal name on it, and you sign off on everything that happens and you are making sure that you're doing what you say you're going to do and you're being kind to your customers, think of the power in that. Yeah, Think of the a, power a, in that authentic, authentic yep. relationship. It's a different uh, barrel of apples, isn't it? Now, tell me a little bit about um, having a content strategy. I know this uh, person also decided that they were going to do video shorts and the brand awareness has just gone through the roof. Tell us a little bit about content marketing. Yeah, I think when we talk about content marketing strategy, what we're trying to do is we're trying to determine who you're talking to specifically. Mm -hmm. And so we want to niche that niche that down as far as we can because you want to get the depth of the niche yep and that depth leads to breadth okay so if i can talk to one person if my target customer is rick and i say rick i'm going to tell you exactly what you want to know i'm going to know what you're searching i'm going to give you exactly what you want in that you'll naturally share that because you think it's so in tune with how you're trying to grow your business right and so the content strategy has got to be deep initially on that initial reach so that mm -hmm. it cuts through the noise i mean that we, you can think think of that as a tip of the spear it's got to cut through the noise of everything else that's out there all the journalists all the journalism that's out there mm -hmm. you want to cut through that so that then it gets shared and becomes a viral piece i i think of well i'll go back to jerry because this is just something that we couldn't believe when it happened but we had gotten so specific on his website that when we started adding youtube videos on top of that um, which we should have done a ton sooner, by the way. 
Who knew? Yep. You know, you, yep. you test and iterate, <laughs> test and iterate. Yes. Whatever. You, yep. you got to find those things out for yourself. Yeah. But when we started adding that, his YouTube presence took off. Not because yes. we had any notoriety on YouTube at all, but because we knew who we were talking to and they started to share it. And so the last time I checked, he was at 170,000 YouTube subscribers. Oh, wow. When he started with us at like 4,000. And it's yes, just because incredible. we talked to the exact person we're trying to talk to and they shared it. So you gotta you gotta know who you're talking to, find where they are online, and you gotta get that message to them any way that you can, whether it's shorts or long long form content, long form videos, whatever it is. However, they consume content, meet them where they are with the message that they need to grow. That's exactly what I was going to ask you. How do you meet them where they are? It seems to me that there has to be a very tailored, unique um, customer or client specific content strategy now in all of this i think there's an, an elephant in the room called email marketing where's its place today i think email marketing's still incredibly important um mm. especially now we we haven't talked at all about ai but let's talk a little bit about that ai yeah. is going to become one of the top five search engines um if not if not already there it's going to become one of the top five search engines Mm -hmm. What's the issue with AI right now is that there's not an attribution necessarily to your content. So email gives you a, a person that you can talk to whenever you want to because yep. you can send them an email directly. Whether that's, you know, I, I think email, SMS, this is all the same thing. You own the contact yep. and you can reach the person. Whereas with AI, you're not going to be able to do that probably. Maybe eventually it gets there. Yep. Um, with, with Google, with YouTube, you can't do that. You, you don't have the individual uh, connection point with that user. Um, same thing with social media. And so all of our content marketing is going to be top of the funnel that's pushing them down to some sort of lead magnet, opt-in, something that gets them to opt-in to our email list, whether it's with an email address or with SMS uh, number, so that we can continue the conversation with them. Yeah. And I think these brand ecosystems, as we get further and further away from attributable content, online that's going to be even more important you got to build that brand ecosystem so that you have something that's sustainable over time uh, for your brand to continue to grow there's one thing that i would also add to the ai question and i mean i'm very impressed by what i see i'm also slightly terrified because i don't know the future but one thing i can say for sure and certain uh, it may not be for 100 years till this happens i don't think because individual personal branding is so unique um, do you ever see AI being able to tell your story the way you do? I don't know. No, I've seen some strange things with AI, but no. I mean, it's always going to be better coming from the brand itself, right? Yeah. Um, because you're gonna you're gonna have nuances that AI can't have yeah. probably yet. Mm, yet. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know, do we? <laughs> no, we don't. Uh, yeah. That's the that's the great and scary thing about it. But it is. I, you know, I see personal brands using it to cut down on first draft time. Yep. So they can train the AI on their on their voice, and they can get a first draft from it more quickly. Uh, I see it cutting down on outlining time, but yep. as far as the actual written word, it's still not replacing the personal brand, the personal voice that you get from those. Um, although, like you said, Rick, who knows? I mean, who, who knows? knows how? With how quickly it's moved already, who knows how quickly it can move to that Yeah, it's a, it's a brave new world we live in, as they say. Now, tell me a little bit about the team at uh, Leverage Brands. It's very important that we talk about them. You've got uh, uh, your partner in crime, David Lloyd. Uh, tell us a little yeah. bit about David. 
I love to call David my workplace acquaintance, uh, but just between us, don't tell him I said this. Uh, we are friends, I suppose. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's don't tell it. him I said this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we've known each other since 2012, and so we've yep. been working together for about 11 years. And um, it's it's like having a right and left hand. We are both good at different things, but together we make some really, really cool stuff. Uh, and one of the things that we've been able to craft together is our team and our culture. And so at Leverage Brands, we have some incredible people who are doing amazing work. Um, yep. And we, we love pouring into those people. We love bringing them alongside of us. We love their passion for the work that we do. Yep. Um, and, and it's been amazing to be able to build that team over time. We have a map of where all the team is across the world. Um, most of it's in the United States, of course. But we also have a map. Um, of where the team is that used to be with Leverage because we want to be a great place to be but also a great place to be from. And so we have sent a lot of people out. uh, We we are still working on the name Leveragians, maybe, Leveragites. Uh, We're sending them out into into industry and we're seeing some really cool things that they're able to accomplish. So we're big fans of our team and we root for them not only while they're with us but also while while they go out into the world beyond. Yeah, well, at the end of the day, um, business is nothing without the people behind it. So they are critical to the success of uh, most, if not all, businesses. Now, tell me, you talked about meeting uh, your clients where they are on their journey right now. Uh, Given that we're nearing the pointy end of the call chase, tell me a little bit about the onboarding process and and how somebody can start working with uh, leverage brands. Well, yeah, I think our onboarding starts with you scheduling a call with me. Um, yep. Just again, leveragebrands.co, not .com, .co yep. slash pod, uh, and I'd be happy to jump on a call with you and just talk to you about how we can help. Um, and we are just eager. We we have been, I'll tell you, Rick, we have worked intentionally with four clients per year. Um, that's all that we've taken on. We wanted yep. to make sure that we were developing partnerships and giving these people incredible service. Um, and we have done that over the past two years to the point where now we believe we're ready to take on more clients and allow them to um, reach their full potential online because that's what our message is. That's what our, our mission is, is to reach, help our thought leaders reach more people online. And so if that's your audience, if that's one of you guys, we want, we want to talk to you. And even yep. if it's not, we want to point you in a direction that's helpful. And I think that's, that's the that's thing. The thing. Absolutely. That's the big thing. You're right in the right spot because my future business right underneath the logo, we say helpful people, helping people. And if you want to touch base with helpful people that are wanting to help you at Leverage Brands, certainly reach out to Chase and his team at leveragebrands.co. That is not .com, .co. I'll be making sure that clickable link's available to you below this call. No matter where you see the interview, you'll be certainly able to click through to leveragebrands.co. And with all that being said, Chase, great call. Absolutely loved it. Thank you for joining me on the show today. Thanks for having me, Rick. It was a pleasure.